And this series is simply called The Table. And obviously, I have a table right here for those who are listening online. It's to my right uh, on the stage. And uh, for those uh, who are not here, uh, first of all, you missed Breakfast Sunday. Breakfast, we love Breakfast Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the, of the month. And so we had an incredible breakfast. There's still some breakfast items out there as you just want to, you know, go out there and graze um, during my sermon or after the service or whatever. If breakfast is more important than, than what I'm saying, you know, feel free to do that. But know this, that for those who uh, aren't here, we have some tables and some chairs uh, here in our um, in our space, our worship space here at Top Middle School, and so it's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit different. But um, I wanted you to understand the table. I think you can understand the table better if you are either seated at a table or you see some visuals of a table. And the reason why I'm talking to a table is because I feel like the Lord uh, brought that to my mind over the past several months, uh, especially in in uh, year 2021. And uh, through that, we um, the the verse that really stuck out to me through all of this was uh, is Psalm 23 5. So in Psalm 23, which that's not our main passage of scripture, Psalm 23, 5 says, you, pre- you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, 2021 was a year of loss for us as a family. Um, many of y'all know the sudden death of my, of my mother. Then we had some tensions with some extended family members, some friends exited our life. And, and all of that was, uh, was unleashed in year 2021. And it will go down as a year of just um, loss and extreme heartache and um, it just felt like we were just under a lot of trials. And you may have experienced certain trials in your life. If you haven't, you will because that's just a part of life. But in the middle of those trials, God reminded us that he has a table prepared in the presence of our enemies and he Wants you to remind, he wants to remind you of the same thing. So week one, we talked about a, a banquet in the valley. So what does the table provide? The table provides focus. Because when, when you and I, when we feel attacked, and I'm talking about spiritual attack, when we feel attacked, we're going to f- want to focus on the enemy, right? It doesn't matter, you know, uh, we see it, we may see a table, but we're not worried about the table. We're worried about the enemy. But God doesn't want you to worry about the enemy. He wants you to come sit down at the table where he is at, at the table of God. And when you and I want to focus on the enemy, God wants to focus on you. So it brings proper focus is what the table does. The table also brings strength, okay? Like a a regular table, it brings strength with food. When you go to the table of God, the food of God's word, prayer, fellowship of, of other believers, you've got people in your life, you've got resources in your life to help give you strength. And then the table also gives you rest to where you can recline at the table because the enemy... The enemy does not let up on the attack. It's constant. Even when you're sleeping, even when you're trying to go to sleep, he never lets up. And the the trick is, and this is his ploy, he wants you to fight toe-to-toe with him all the time. We can't do that. We don't have the capacity to do that. We don't have the strength for that. And so what, what God is saying is this, look, when you sit at the table, when you come to the table of God, you rest from facing the enemy. And the enemy will continue to attack or try to attack you, but come to the table, 
Get your focus, strength, and rest. Last week, we talked about guests at the table. You know, the, the table will have food on it. And, and I've always imagined this verse in Psalm 23, he prepares a table, a table full of great food. I've always thought about the food, but during the, the trials of 2021, God had a revelation on me, and he said, it's not just about the food. In fact, it's not, it's not really mainly about the food. It's about the people that God has put at your table. King David wrote this psalm later, the latter part of his life, and he knows what a big banquet table looks like in his palace with people surrounding him. And so even the people at your table who are you're sitting here today, just know this, that, that just like those people, God has put people in your life to help you. Our church, your church in the community, we want to be able to sit at your table. And so God began to, to show me people that he, he put at my table. So who is at your table? And we talked about Inviting people to your table, bringing people to your table. The story we used last week, how David invited Jonathan's son to his table, even though he, he didn't deserve it. It doesn't matter. He brought him to his table. And so we introduced a, a, a church growth initiative called Who's Your Seven? And uh, you can find that on the table. You don't need to necessarily look at that now, but you, you can do that while I'm up here talking, you know, if you want. But it just gives an information on what that looks like and why we're doing that. And then on the back, it, it gives you a, a, an area where you can brainstorm some people in your life that could be part of your seven, okay? Now, when I say who's your seven, the goal is really uh, to uh, bring uh, seven people into um, the church. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one that builds a church. We don't build a church. But the Holy Spirit, God the Father, uses people in the church to do his work and to invite and to bring people. So we feel like, the elders and I feel like, that God has asked us as a church to identify, every individual, to identify seven people in your life that you could intentionally come and bring to Lake Point Church and to be a part of, of what God is doing and so, uh, and that could be, uh, it didn't have to be uh, um, just adults. I mean, you might have a family, and there's families up here of, of, of six or seven already here today, okay? If you've got a family of seven, and they're already coming, and, and they're, they're get plugged in over the next year between now and our 10-year anniversary next February, well, guess what? You've got your seven, right? Well, keep inviting. That's okay. But, so it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, infants or adults, any age of life, we just want you to identify the seven people in their life. So we're asking for the two weeks. Last week we introduced this, and we're kind of reintroducing it this week. We want you to pray and ask the Lord, who are people in your life, in the areas of your life, your family, neighbors, leisure time, work, school? Who are people in your life that you can invite? And just kind of brainstorm, write people's names down right here. And the next week, you don't want to miss next week, we're going to hand out... A, um, just a, a small tool, a booklet that will help you to pray for them and, um, and we'll have that available. For those who are watching online, you can get this and more information about Who's Your Seven uh, by simply going to lakepointonline.com forward slash seven, S-E-V-E-N, spell that out. And those who are, are faithful online um, uh, watchers, I know we have people who are out of state who watch all the time. You can invite seven people to watch with you online. And so whether it's online or here in the service, we encourage you 
to do that. And the initiative, the strategy is pray, invite, and connect. You wanna pray? We're doing that now, okay? Spending a couple of weeks with that. Then we wanna start inviting, and then we wanna intentionally connect people for that. For today's message, I feel compelled to visit the enemy or enemies that could be sitting at your table. Remember in our main verse in the series in 23, Psalm 23, 5, that the Lord prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So it's, it's nothing for an enemy to come and pull up a chair. It's nothing for an enemy to come pull up a chair. And again, when I say enemy, I mean spiritual attacks. And we're, we're going to be going over some of that. But today's message is simply called the enemy at your table. And in fact, you could be sitting in... Um, An enemy could be sitting at your table without you even knowing it. So what types of of, of names or types of enemies could be possibly sitting at your table and you not even realize it? And that could just pull up a chair. The enemy of worry. The enemy of doubt. The enemy of depression. The enemy of not good enough. The enemy of insecurity. The enemy of fear. The enemy of lust. The enemy of lies. Lots of different types of enemies could simply come up and pull up a chair at your table. But here's a profound truth that that I learned over this past year in 2021 about sitting at the table. And here it is. This is important. So listen up. The more people you have sitting at your table, the less room you have for your enemies. The more people you have sitting at your table, the less room you have for your enemies. That, to me, was profound. Because I started to realize that there were uninvited spiritual attackers coming and sitting at my table in 2021 through the sudden death of my mother, you know, and and some... um, conflicts with extended family members, you know, that have, have now resolved and some other issues that are slowly being resolved. But they were sitting at my table, the spiritual enemy was sitting at my table and, the, and I realized that the more I was able to invite others who I trust and I knew who are walking with the Lord and, and some of the people sitting at the table, obviously members of our church, our church family, the more I, we were able to have them sit at our table then the less room we have for enemies. Another way to put it is this. The reason why your enemies are sitting at your table is because you have not invited many people to come sit with you. You and I were not meant to face our enemies alone. Obviously, God is there, and he has provided the table. And yes, he's sitting at the table, but he wants you to invite others who can join you in that. So it's important to remind yourself of the people sitting at your table. And this people sitting at your table need to say and do things that can, that can counter the enemies who are present around you. How do you know if you have an enemy sitting at your table? How do you know? That's a good question. How do you know you have an enemy sitting at your table? Here's how I I realize. If you are constantly thinking about or talking about whatever or whomever might have offended you, then you have an enemy sitting at your table. You have an enemy sitting at your table. 
Suzanne and I, we, we, we love to go on walks in our neighborhood. And we have this sort of two-mile thing that we, we walk. And, and um, yeah, sometimes we walk fast, sometimes we walk slow. It's not really the exercise, it's more the company. And so throughout 2021, um, we, we realized that we, our conversations were more and more about the spiritual attacks and the spiritual enemies. And it was constant. And then, but we were also praying, not just in our walking, but in, in other times. And so we realized that, you know, we need to stop talking about what the attacks of the enemies are doing in our life. Whether it be loneliness from the loss of our mother or, or you know, misunderstandings with others. And so rather than doing that, we started shifting our focus to talk about what God is doing in our life. And then the, and the people that God has sitting, uh, has, has joined our table. We began to join, uh, to talk about that. And when that started happening, our, our focus changed. But if you're constantly talking about or thinking about whatever or whomever might have offended you, then you have an enemy sitting at your table. For example, I had to identify enemies sitting at my table back in 2021. Then I had to understand how they were attacking me, the spiritual attacks of the enemies. And some of those enemies that I I listed earlier, doubt, not good enough, insecurity, fear, all of those things, they were attacking me greatly in 2021. So here are some of the strategic attacks from my enemies this, this year, this past year. Number one, question my abilities. Question my abilities. They made me feel like I was incapable of managing my responsibilities as a, as a husband, as a father, and as a friend. Um, I lost a ton of confidence in the abilities and the gifts God gave me back in last year because of the enemies I allowed to sit at my table. You could have enemies questioning your abilities, maybe questioning your job, your abilities at your job, your abilities on the sports teams, students, your abilities at, at school, or your abilities to, to be in certain circles of friends. You, the enemy could be gnawing at your mind and at your heart, saying, you're just not good enough in your abilities. Another way Enemies question, is, they question my theology. They actually got me to question what I believed. This ended up actually being something good for me as I was able to defend what I believe through Scripture. But I would have to, I would not have been able to handle this, this, this sort of questioning my theology without inviting people to the table. I got with other pastors and other trusted friends of people that I know walk with Jesus, and I was able to talk through some of this and figure out ways, how do I defend what I believe? I mean, I, I don't know everything in this book. I know I'm a pastor, but really, I'm just a normal guy like you. I'm just a normal person. I read God's Word. I try to read it every day. Do I understand everything in this? No. The, the, only time, the only day I will is when I'm in heaven, and it will all become clear. But I was able to surround myself and invite people at the table who were able to help me to explain and to defend my faith. There are many Christians who question what they believe because they have allowed the enemy to have a seat 
at their table. I need to say that again. There are many Christians who question what they believe because they have allowed the enemy to have a seat at their table. They no longer attend church because of the enemy who questions their theology. This is why it's extremely important for you to know what you believe and not just accept what your family has has told you over the years. Well, we, as a family, we believe this. Well, that's good, but you need to know why you believe what you believe and where to find it in God's word. It's important for you to be able to defend your faith because the enemy will come in and he will attack what you believe. I guarantee it. It happens with pastors and it happens with everyone who calls themselves a believer. A third, the enemy's questioned my calling. I've been in ministry for 32 years. That's a long time. 32 years. I've never questioned my calling until 2021. I'm just going to be vulnerable to you today. My current calling is to be the shepherd of Lake Point Church. But I'm going to be honest, I came extremely close to walking away from that calling last year because of the enemies that I allowed to sit at my table. And again, those are spiritual enemies. Doubt, not good enough, fear, all of those things. But I began to replace those enemies with others who were speaking truth into my heart. And God, God did not allow me to make that decision to walk away. The enemy is real. There are many pastors who are now out of ministry because of the enemy who questions their calling. I can, I can name many of them who are no longer in ministry because the enemy was sitting at their table. And the fourth, the enemy's question, my family. For example, the lies being told by the enemy tried to drive a wedge between me and my wife. But it didn't work. It didn't work. You know why? Because my wife was sitting at my table. My wife was sitting at my table. Husbands and wives, I cannot stress to you the importance of sitting at the table with your spouse. Husbands, don't let your wife sit by herself at the table when she's in a battle. Don't let your wife sit at the table by herself that God has prepared for her. You have a reserved seat. Men, can I tell you something? If you don't sit there, then guess what? The enemy will. If you don't pull up the chair that's reserved for you and sit down with your wife and support her with whatever she's going through, then guess what? The enemy will. I guarantee it. Sorry, I'm really passionate about that. Wives, your husbands, they're not going to let you know all the battles he's facing in his mind from others. He's not. You know, ladies, we think, we think admitting some of that is a sign of weakness. It's just how we're wired. Now, guys, we do need to do a better job of just being open and just, hey, honey, this is, this is kind of what I'm going through. So, ladies, stay at your husband's table no matter how many times he dismisses you. Oh, it's okay. 
When he says, it's okay, I can have, no, 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 no. That's a sign that he needs you to sit at his table. That's a sign. How do you know if you're sitting at the table with your spouse? Here's what we found out, what Suzanne and I found out. Here's how you know you're sitting at the table together with your spouse. You will feel the same attacks. You will feel the same attacks. If, you're, if your spouse is going, if they're going through something and you don't feel that with them, you're not sitting at their table. You're not. You're one. God made you one. And so because of that, you, you will feel those things. Suzanne felt what I felt. I felt what she felt. He tried to drive a wedge between us. But thank God it didn't work because she was sitting at my table. So how do you fix this problem with enemies sitting at your table? So let's see what Jesus did. Did you know that someone prepared a table for Jesus in the presence of his enemies? Yeah. Even Jesus needed to have a table prepared for him in front of his enemies. We see this leading up to the Last Supper. Now, I'm going to be in a couple of different books. I'm going to be in Luke and in John. First one we're going to go to is Luke chapter 22. Now, if you have your copy of God's Word, you could... um, you could turn to that, Luke chapter 22. Next, I'm going to be in, in John chapter 12. Then I'm going to go back to 22. So Luke chapter 22, then John chapter 12. Um, if you don't have your copy of God's Word, um, you um, either digital copy or printed copy, we'll have that on the screen. So we, we see this in up, leading up to the Last Supper in the final days of Jesus' life. So Luke chapter 22, verse 7 through 13, it says this. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which a Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare? Uh, where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. (laughs) I love this story because the disciples are like, okay, how do we we know where to go? You're going to see a man carrying a jar. I mean, this is like, this is pre-Mission Impossible thing. Like, you know, you see this in Mission Impossible movies. You're going to go and you'll find this person and, and they'll say a certain code or they'll be wearing something and you'll just, you'll know, right? Follow them. And so Jesus was sort of, you know, the first Mission Impossible guy, right? And so they knew to follow this guy. And guess what? That gentleman, we don't know his name, that gentleman prepared the room for the Passover meal. And then the disciples prepared the meal for Jesus and the disciples. So even Jesus prepared, had, had his table prepared for him and the presence of his enemies. So what about the enemies? What enemy am I talking about? So we see the first sign of this enemy in John chapter 12. So John chapter 12, verses one through eight, it says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor 
Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So just so you know, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary were all brothers and sisters, and they all lived in the same house together, okay? Verse 4, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would, was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's, it's worth over a year's wages, Verse 6, he did not say this because he cared about the poor. This is John writing, who wrote this book. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We see the first signs of the enemy in the actions and the words of Judas, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. We also see the verse known of the rebuke of Jesus towards this disciple. So this disciple, he would, and Jesus knew this, he would just, he was a keeper of the money bag, but he would help some of that to himself. That would be like if somebody in this church took out part of the offerings that you give and just helped it to themselves. Now, obviously, we have, a, we have a system in place where that doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen. We check that every week. We have different people who are involved in that. But just, that's kind of equivalent to that. If someone took part of the, the tithes and offering that you give and just helped themselves, that's exactly what Jesus, Judas did. And then he's griping and complaining about this lady spending this perfume on Jesus when it could, it's a, it's a year's wages. So this rebuke by Jesus probably did not sit well with Judas and probably led to the crucial decision we find in Luke 22. So look at Luke 22, verses one through six. Now the festival unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. But they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. The enemy was making plans to betray Jesus. It was all to happen on the same night as the Lord's Supper. Jesus would begin that dinner gathering, that dinner gathering with his friends by washing the feet of the disciples, including Judas. Jesus would teach while they were eating, but the elephant in the room had to be exposed. The enemy had to be exposed. And this is where we see this in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to be at 21 through 27. And this is my last passage before I, I, I share some points about this. So John chapter 13, verse 21. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another. 
at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, and that's just John talking about himself, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to, to this disciple, to John, and asked, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, John asked him, Lord, who is it? Who are you talking about? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dripping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Jesus, uh, Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what are you about to do? Do quickly. What are you about to do? Do quickly. Jesus literally had a table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. God provided that. But Jesus did not allow his enemy to linger. There are three takeaways, just three, from this passage, and then we'll be done. There's three takeaways that, that I want, that I believe can be applied to our lives and when we find enemies sitting at our table. Number one, love your enemies. What did Jesus do to Judas that same night before they sat at the table? He washed his feet. He washed his feet. Now, in that time, everyone, everyone wore sandals. They didn't have much concrete, right? Fitting. A lot of dirt. So when they would go to someone's house, there was always a servant there to wash people's feet. And Jesus didn't line up a servant for that night because he became the servant. Bible says he's a suffering servant. And so he became the servant. So he, out of love, washed the disciples' feet, including Judas. What do you do with your enemies? The Bible talks about it all over the place. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. You know, when Jesus confronted Judas at the table, there was no yelling there was no screaming. There's no exclamation point in Scripture. He just simply treated him with love. Jesus understood that the enemy was Satan, not Judas. He loved Judas, but he despised Satan. You and I need to understand that. And I'm going to get into more of this, this next week. I know I say this every week. You don't want to miss next week. I'll give you a sneak peek. It's called the Chair of Forgiveness. And we close the series with that next week, the Chair of Forgiveness. So we see Jesus love his enemies. So how do we respond? How do we, how do we respond at when our enemies are sitting at their table? We love our enemies. Number two, don't stop them. Don't stop them. Don't try to talk your enemies out of doing what they have set in their minds to do. It's not your job. It would only keep them at your table longer. Can I, I need to say that again. If you try to talk your enemy out of doing what they have set in their mind to do, it would only keep them at your table longer. 
Just don't stop them. Don't stop them. God will take care of you. Allow God to take care of that. You need that seat for someone else. Don't stop them. That seat becomes available and invite someone else in your life to walk through whatever valley, whatever battle you're going through. So, first takeaway from that story, love your enemies. Second, don't stop them. And last, release them from your table. We see Jesus do this to Judas. Don't allow the enemy a seat at your table. Don't allow the enemy a seat at your table. Release them. When you do release them, don't call them back at your table. When you release them, don't call them back at your table. When you're going through worry, doubt, depression, not good enough, insecurities, fears, lust, lies, all, I mean, I can go on and on and on with all kinds of enemies that you are facing. Don't invite them back to the table. Release them in the name of Jesus. You have the power to do that. If you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you, if you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have the ability, you have the power to ask and to command that enemy to leave your table and not come back. In fact, fill that spot with somebody else as soon as possible. Replace the enemy with someone else. Release them. They are gone. They're gone. Some people keep their enemy in the next room or the next door after releasing them. No. Release them. Let them go. And again, we'll get more into that next week. Because um, the chair of forgiveness, uh, we're going to talk about that while we also take the Lord's Supper. And those are connected together. So, Judas sat close to Jesus at the Last Supper, yet he was so far away. He was close enough for Jesus to hand him a piece of bread. So, Judas sat close to Jesus, but yet he was so far away. Um, are you close to Jesus but just not accepting him? Are you meaning, are you like, okay, I, I just want to do good things. I just want to be a good person. Maybe I just need to, you know, come to church. And all that stuff is good. But you're not going to become the person God wants you to be unless you give your life to Jesus, unless you walk in his holiness, unless you spend time with him and get close to him. There's two different types of disciples. Well, I mean, there's 12 disciples at the table. But I want to contrast two of them. John was, we read this in the passage, he was leaning against Jesus. Right? You know, your kids kind of do that, especially when they're small. You know, kind of leaning, you know, to that, laying on the couch or on the bed. They'll just lean in. And so that's what, that's what John was doing. But Judas 
He was not leaning into Jesus. He was just there. He was taking up a seat. That's all he was doing. And Jesus recognized it. And he said, hey, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. Be gone. Can I tell you something? If you've not accepted Jesus, he's already accepted you. In fact, he's already washed your feet. He's already washed your feet. He's ready to do cleansing of your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we come to this time in our service that continues to be a very important time. And so I want you to respond. And response time is, is, is so important. The, the response that we try to uh, offer people. Um, I, I don't want to preach this message. I, don't, I spend lots of time and, and just try to hear from the Lord about what I should say, what I should speak to you guys, what the Lord wants to know. But also, we need to be able to respond so here's, here's what I want you to do. If you are someone, you're just trying to become a good person and you're trying uh, to, uh, to just try to get close to Jesus, but you haven't really, you haven't really accepted him. You've never, never invited him to be Lord and Savior of your life. I'm gonna give you that opportunity. You could do that now by simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done. And cleanse my heart. And please make me new. And if you're sitting here today, or maybe watching online, maybe you've allowed an enemy to sit at your table. And that enemy is still sitting there. And I've listed lots of names for those enemies. You could be facing several at the same time, and there may be an enemy at your table you don't even realize. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you know they are fighting an enemy right now. You have the ability to stand in the gap for them and to pray for them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, in just a moment, I want you to, we're all going to stand at this moment. Band's going to play. And I want you to come down to the front and I want you to just tell God, God, I'm sorry that I've not dismissed this enemy. You showed me how to do it. You showed me how to do it. You dismissed Judas. And so, Lord, give me the power and the ability to tell the enemy, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. And Lord, let me trust in you that you are going to take care of it. You're going to protect me in the process of this. Because I can't do it on my own. So whatever enemy you're facing, you need to release that and let them go. The more they linger, the more damage they will do at your table. The more they linger, the more damage they will do at your table. Release them. Or there's someone in your life you need to step in and the gap for them. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you do an incredible work in our day, in our heart, and in this service. Lord, we fight our battles, not by ourselves. We, we fight our battles knowing that you are there. And we are surrounded by you, Father. So, Lord, do a great work in our hearts. Let us release those enemies. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.